Well, no, I want to sign up for that class. <laughs> that sounds like when we were first talking about this, part of our heart strong initiative, or when we were going out with the train and everything like that. Well, friends, thank you so much for being with us today. And uh, how many of you watched a lot of Olympics in the last week? Anybody? Yeah, special time. Uh, the highlight this week, at least for me, was Merrill Davis Charlie. Hey, guy. Huh? This guy is ahead of here, doesn't he? Mercy. My. Yeah, they won the first uh, first time. Uh, couple won a gold medal in Iceland. It's really a fascinating story because she met her when she was only nine years old. He had been six months into figure skating, and he didn't want to dance with her because she was brand new. They got together in Michigan, and they have now been a team for 17 years. Longest team uh, together currently. 17 years. And they're not romantically involved. They just have worked as teammates for 17 years, week after week after week after week. And, of course, that's what brought them to the goal. All that hard work. And when I think about uh, this couple, I think about our mission. We're not about bigger shooting, but we have a mission not to give a goal set. But our mission is to make disciples. Go therefore into all the world. Make disciples of all nations. Jesus Christ said. And we can learn from these individuals. Because first of all, you have to be a team to fluidly skate across the ice and do amazing things and, and to be one with one another takes a lot of teamwork. A lot of working together, talking together. And that's the same thing we need to do. If we're going to be a disciple-making community, we need to all be working together. We all need to be engaged. We all need to find our place in the ministry. The second thing is that it took 17 years for them to get to this point. 17 years of work. It's a long time, isn't it? I'll tell you what, friends. Disciple-making is a lifelong journey. We're always growing as disciples. We're always helping other people to become strong disciples. But it's like raising kids, disciple-making. You don't see changes overnight, right? But it's just progressive little things each day that you notice. And all of a sudden, they become adults, (laughs) right? Well, it's the same thing with spiritual maturity. You need to walk with people and encourage them and challenge them and inspire them and pray for them. And that's what's so beautiful about being a community is that people come here and they have a place where we can disciple them. So let's uh, jump into our Acts message today as we've been going through this book. Very exciting. The Church on Mission. We're going to be talking uh, about Acts chapter 6. Acts chapter 6. Talking about your role in disciple making. First of all, I want to talk about the need. The need. For disciple making, Acts 6 1, it says, Now in these days when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. So, in that day in Israel, 
God said, you need to take care of the poor and the widows and the orphans. And of course, we still need uh, to do that. They didn't have any type of welfare system, any security net, safety net. So what they would do is they would have people in each town be receivers. So they would go around all week long and they would collect alms for the poor, the widows, and the orphans. And then on Friday, they would give these resources to these people. So if a person had a temporary need, they give them so much. But if a person uh, was regularly needing resources, they would give them alms enough to buy food for 14 meals until the next Friday. So that's how the system worked. Well, of course, we have Pentecost. We have people coming from all over the world. Now, you had the Hebrew widows. They were the local widows. And then you had the Hellenist widows. Those were people from outside of Israel. Uh, they were typically Greeks uh, or Jews. Uh, they had come, again, to celebrate their faiths, to celebrate their Jewishness. Uh, they had maintained their Jewishness. Uh, they practiced Judaism. And therefore, they came to Passover and Pentecost and all the other major feasts. So, they're sticking around crash course on what this new church is all about and what Jesus Christ is doing. And in the midst of all this, all this activity, and again, we talked last week about the fact that there are up to twenty to 30,000 people, so there are a lot of widows and people in need. Uh, what was happening is, is that the Hellenist widows, those from outside of Israel, will notice, noticing that the Hebrew widows, the local widows, seem to be getting better service. <laughs> they seemed to be getting more regular alms. Their, their needs were be, being taken care of. And I can just imagine that uh, these widows started to share with one another about how the fact that they, got, they had this perception that they weren't getting the same type of service, the same type of resources as the Hebrew widows were. And maybe there was some gossip uh, going on. There was a problem beginning in the ministry because there, there was a problem. Uh, again, because they didn't have a, a system, they didn't have people to do this, and, and so things were happening, and so uh, there could have been some complaining going on. There probably was, knowing human nature. Now, it's important uh, for us just to take a moment to talk about uh, how gossip is such a problem uh, when uh, we engage in it and how it impacts the church. You see, Satan was trying to stop the church. <laughs> he thought that he had been victorious at the cross when later he found out a couple of days later that he was a loser. And now Christianity was starting to spread. People were following Jesus by the droves and he wanted to stop it. So first of all, he persecuted the church and then he brought sin into the church for Ananias and Sapphira. And now he's introducing a gossip and trying to cause division, dissension in the church. So uh, we need to follow uh, through the power of the Spirit the command found in Acts 4.29, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such is good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. This is a great refrigerator verse. <laughs> All right? Uh, kids in the home, or if you don't, uh, to be reminded of the fact, okay, what's coming out of my mouth here? Am I tearing a person down 
either the person I'm talking to or somebody else uh, that I'm talking about, or am I building them up? That's a question you always need to be asking yourself. Am I tearing somebody down, or am I building somebody up? And if you're engaged in a conversation uh, with another person, with another Christ follower, and they're tearing someone down, do you have the courage to say, oh, wait, wait, I don't want to be part of this. I don't want to hear about that other person. And the person's, you know, committing character assassination. assassination. Uh, they're defaming their character. And I would encourage you to pray for the courage uh, when, when, that, when that happens again, when, when somebody wants to lead you down the slander trail, just to say, I'm sorry, I, I, can't, I can't engage in this conversation. And that, that takes a lot of courage, doesn't it? Because you're basically calling them out on their sin. <laughs> but that's what God asks you to do, because by you engage, they draw you into sin, because if you listen, you're engaged in the sin, right? You're listening to them. When the Bible's very clear about the fact that if you have an issue with somebody, what are you supposed to do? You're supposed to go to them. You're supposed to call them up. You're supposed to get together, work it out. But, oh, no, what do we do? We go to other people because we want them to feel our hurt. We want them to feel our pain. And, of course, you know, we as sinful people like to hear the dirt. You know, we want to know what's going on. Oh, really? Oh, many times... Many times it's under the guise of a prayer request. Oh, could you please pray? <laughs> we again just need to be very careful here. Proverbs 16.28 says, A dishonest man spreads strife and a whisperer separates close friends. Have you been hurt by a whisperer? Has, has a friendship just come apart because somebody has said something that they shouldn't have said? Has it been pain in your immediate family, extended family, in a church setting, in another type of friendship setting, where people have, have people have gossiped about you? They spread untruths. How painful is that? And that's why God says, don't do this. This is not right. You sin against me and you sin against many people. So friends, think about this past week. Were you a whisperer? Did you spread strife in some way? And if you did, you need to repent of that sin, if you have a tendency toward that sin, you need to deal with it. You need to pray that God would empower you not to fall into that trap. We all have sins that we tend to gravitate towards. Uh, maybe this is one of yours. I, I'm so proud, though, of our church as a body. As I observe our church and talk to different people, we do not have a problem with gossip. I mean, certainly there's gossip that goes on, uh, but at the same time, there are other churches that, yeah. I mean, the one, the number one way that that Satan destroys churches is through gossip. People talking without going to the person that they need uh, to talk to. So we just need to be reminded of that in regards to the unity of our ministry, which again I want to commend you guys on. But again, if you have a problem with anybody in this body, including myself. Please come talk to me or talk to someone else. And I tell you what, when a person comes to talk to you, be receptive and open and listen. Because that's going to encourage the culture. Because if you rebuff the person, then they say, well, I'm not doing that again. I'm going to go back to gossiping. <laughs> no. no, you want to be receptive to a person who comes to you if they have an issue. Okay?
All right, well, let's go back to uh, Acts chapter 6, verse 1. And uh, now in these days when the disciples were increasing in number, <laughs> you have the 12 apostles, and they've got this enormous responsibility to care for all these people. they got all kinds of things that need to be done. And one of the things, of course, was caring for the widows. So they, they need to get organized. They need to get more people in leadership in order to meet people's needs. And friends, we as a disciple-making community, we've got a lot of needs that need to be met. We, we have a lot of areas where people need to serve in order that we might make disciples. In fact, I was reflecting on this, and I came up with some numbers uh, by studying our statistics. And uh, this is Springbrook's ministry. In a given month, we have 300 families that attend our church. Now, it might be once a month or twice a month or whatever, three, four times a month. But 300 families attend at least once a month. And that includes 600 adults, 125 teenagers, and 225 children. And that's 950 souls. This church touches 950 souls per month. Now, what an incredible responsibility we have as disciple makers. 950 people to disciple. 950 people to love. 950 people to nourish. 950 50 people to teach the Word of God to. 950 people to pray for. 950 people to uh, be in relationship with, uh, again, whatever number God gives you. Uh, but friends, we've got a huge mission here. And we want to continue to add new disciples. Now see, more people come uh, to Christ. And if we're going to meet the needs of all these people, friends, everyone has got to get engaged. Everyone's got to get engaged. Everyone's got to say, God, where do you want me on the disciple-making team? Where do you want me to serve? How do you want me to help others come closer to Jesus? How do you want me to teach other people? Just show me, Lord. And I just am praying that God would work in every one of our lives, whether it means stepping into ministry, some type of service opportunity, or stepping up, getting more involved, or stepping into leadership? That's the question, because that's the only way that we are going to be more effective and have a kingdom impact. All right, well, let's move on here, and let's take a look at uh, the solution, Acts 6, 1 through 7. Uh, we look at verse 2, and the twelve summon, this is after they found out about the problem of the widows, Therefore, uh, the brothers, excuse me, and the twelve summoned the full number of the disciples and said, It is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Now, you look at this and they think, well, they were just, they thought they were too good to serve tables. <laughs> hey, hey, you know who we are? We walk with Jesus Christ. That's right. I'm an apostle now. I got a promotion. And you think I'm serving tables? You're crazy. No, that was not the thought. The thought was, is that everybody has to play their role. Everybody has to find their place in the body of Christ in order to make disciples. And, 
And God has called us to preach the word. That's our primary responsibility. I mean, we've got scads of people here who can serve tables and would love to do that, would love to lead that type of ministry. That's what they're saying here. And it goes on to say, Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the Spirit and of wisdom, and whom we will appoint to this duty. He's talking about, let's pick some leaders out. Now, why seven? Well, back in that day, in Jewish culture, you had seven people to start an organization. So that's one thought, uh, why they chose seven. So these men were to be of good repute. They were to have a good reputation. Not that they were perfect, but there wasn't any major issues going on in their lives. And you knew they were godly and they were pursuing a relationship with God. Full of the Spirit. You know, it really is amazing as I've taken a closer look at the book of Acts, how much the Spirit is mentioned. And we've talked a lot about that, haven't we? But these are people who have yielded themselves to the Spirit, who said, Spirit, take over my life, guide me, show me the way. Uh, and it goes on in wisdom. Certainly that's needed if you're going to be in leadership. Uh, so these are the three uh, different things. Now, of course, we look in First Timothy and we see all different types of qualifications uh, uh, for leaders. In fact, it's interesting at our annual meeting tonight, uh, we're going to be affirming the nominations of two uh, new elders, uh, Bill Atkinson and Eric uh, Runk. And uh, it's very important to have the right people in leadership. And when I think of Bill and Eric, I think, yeah, good reputation, full of spirit and wisdom. As we grow in, in making disciples, we, we just have to continue to develop these fruits of the Spirit that we've talked about. In fact, here's our memory verse for February. Let's say it together. Galatians 5, 22 and 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control against such things. There is no law. Now, many times, you know, when you ask a person, are you growing spiritually? They'll say, well, I've been a little more regular with my quiet time. And, uh, you know, I've been pretty good with my church attendance. And uh, uh, those are important things. Those are spiritual exercises. You know. Oh, there we go. Okay. <laughs> when you start seeing this stuff more in your life, when you see more love, more joy, more peace, more patience, kindness, that is a true test of spiritual growth. Empowered by the Holy Spirit. Remember how I told you to pick out one of these particular uh, fruits and uh, make it kind of a focus in your life? Uh, patience definitely is where I need to uh, <laughs> continue to grow deeper. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I need them all. But uh, again, I encourage you to take one and just really say, Lord, this year, I really want you to help me uh, to grow in this area. I yield myself uh, to your spirit in that way. Well, we want to Acts 6-4, but we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of of the word. So what they were saying is our ministry, we as apostles are called to pray. To pray. Now, that's interesting they said that, right? The number one job that we have is to pray. 
not to plan programs and organize things, but we are to pray. And God is growing me in prayer. In fact, a part of our next chapter here at Springbrook, we're going to be talking more and more how we as a church can grow in prayer. Because that's when God, God's power shows up. When we pray. And the ministry of the Word. Again, the preaching of the Word. I'll tell you what, guys. One of the highlights of my week is Sunday mornings. I mean, I don't care how tired I am or if I was sick that week or whatever. Man, I tell you, Sunday mornings I get pumped up for. And uh, there, there's no greater joy for me personally to preach the Word of God to you. And I take it very seriously. And I work very hard at it. Because God has given me the gift of teaching. Obviously, He's appointed me a shepherd here. And so, uh, preaching the Word uh, is so critical. And uh, uh, you guys are such a wonderful congregation. You're so teachable. You're, you just drink it in, and that even brings more joy uh, to my heart. Uh, but uh, continue to pray for me, that I would become more, a more effective communicator that I would just continue to mature because when you have a spiritual gift and the gift of teaching is a spiritual gift, you need to continue to develop it. We'll talk about that in a moment. To fan into flame your gift. All right, verse 5. And what they said pleased the, the whole gathering and they chose Stephen, a man of full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. There we see the theme again. That's the type of people we're looking for. Uh, we're going to talk... Well, uh, we're not going to talk about him, so I would encourage you in your time along with God to uh, read the rest of Acts chapter 6. Uh, Stephen was an incredible uh, man of God and a marker uh, for, the, for Jesus Christ. And Philip, we'll talk about him next week. He had a heart for lost people. And then it goes on, uh, and Pro, uh, Prochorus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Parmenius and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch. You know what's interesting about these individuals? They were all Greek names. All Greek names. Now, it's interesting. You had the problem with the Grecian widows, the Hellenist widows, they called them, who were not being served. So it shows unity in the church that even the Jews who were helping make these choices said, hey, let's staff the whole leadership team with Greek people in order to show them that we really are concerned about this. That's the spirit at work. Uh, then we read in verse 6, that uh, these they set before the apostles and they prayed and laid their hands on them. And the word of God continued to increase and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem and a great many of priests became obedient to the faith. Now, <laughs> faith. now the priests uh, coming to faith, that was something else, right? They're very heavily invested in Judaism, but the Holy Spirit moved in their life and they became Christ followers as well. So the church continued to grow when the church got organized, when people found their ministry fit, uh, when leaders uh, were appointed. And that's why it's so important that if we want to see an increase in disciple making, if we want to see more people come to Christ and grow in Christ, is that we need to step up into whatever God calls us to do. And one of the things you, you do along the way that's so helpful in helping you define where you're going to serve is First Peter 4.10. Uh, it says, each has received a gift. 
Use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's very grace. So, we've received a spiritual gift. When a person becomes a Christ follower, he's baptized in the Holy Spirit right when he makes that decision of faith. And he's sealed by the Holy Spirit, guaranteed for an inheritance in eternity, and, and, and receives spiritual gifts at the very moment of salvation. There might be one, two, three spiritual gifts that they receive. First uh, Timothy, Second uh, Timothy, one six. Paul writes, "For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands." Now, each of you, if you're a Christ follower, you have spiritual gifts that God has given you, and your responsibility is to discover those spiritual gifts and to use them. How many of you? I want you to raise your hand on this. Uh, think you know what your spiritual gift is? Raise your hand. Okay. Very good. Uh, for those of you who don't, uh, we would love to help you to discover what your spiritual gift is. In fact, Rich just finished up another spiritual gifts class. Uh, and if you can define what your spiritual gift is, or at least kind of get an idea, that can help you to know where to serve. And when you use your spiritual gift, it, it brings you great joy, just like when I teach. It brings me great joy because I'm using the gift that God has given me. Romans 12:8 talks about these gifts uh, the one who exhorts or encourages in his encouragement. The one who contributes in generosity. Some people have the gift of giving. They just love to give their resources to the Lord. The one who leads with zeal. The one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Uh, now, I've got a list of spiritual gifts up here uh, that you'll see. And I'm just going to come down here and... Uh, we're going to find some individuals who are in ministry here, who are part of our disciple-making community, and talk to them about the special role uh, that they have. Now, uh, you know where the other mic is? Did, uh... Okay. Somebody could bring that to me. You know, in fact, I don't even need it. Forget it. I'm sorry. I forgot I have a mic on me. Okay. <laughs> Can't watch you stand up for a second. Uh, Kim Jocelyn is a leader of our women's uh, ministry, and they just had an awesome retreat in January in Deerfield. And uh, Kim, uh, what do you like about serving uh, in our women's ministry? Well, um, first I'll say what my gift is, is administration. Okay, there we go. Very good. <laughs> and um, nothing brings me more joy than to be able to pull together an event and let women come together and just be able to love one another. And that's kind of what I do. I just yeah. love to pull together the event. Yeah, that's right. Well, you do a great job. Thank you so much. Uh, let's thank him. Yeah. And what a beautiful uh, way to make disciples, right? I mean, on that retreat, women were connecting with one another, loving one another. You have coffee connections and other activities, Christmas gathering and small groups. And uh, so thank you for being a disciple maker here. All right. Let's see. Uh, who do we have here? Uh, Bill. Come on out, bud. There you go. All right. Bill, tell us about uh, uh, your... Uh, how long have you been on our worship team? I think it's like 2008. All right. Wonderful. Yeah, Beautiful. Thank you so much. You just hold that up a little further. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Uh, Bill is just an awesome guitarist. I mean, God has really gifted him, isn't he? Oh, yeah. So why do you like to serve on the worship team? I just I really enjoy worship the time, getting to know the people on the team, and it's just a it is kind of like a small group. I've yeah, all right. Talked yeah. about that before, and you feel like you've been discipled by that team, Danny Green. Yeah. Have you learned things and you know grown deeper in your walk because of your relationships with them? I think sometimes encouraging stories or prayers yeah. that we've had, you know, too, exactly, just yeah. as important as the yeah. getting together and yeah. making music. How do you feel when you're playing on Sunday mornings? I'm usually pretty pumped up. And Very pumped up, huh? Even if I'm a little under the weather, I'm still, yeah. really still here. So That's right. Yeah. Sound like a highlight for you to some degree. Yeah, glad to be here. Awesome. And Chrissy also uh, sings with us. What do you like about worshiping, leading worship? Oh, just the joy of seeing everybody else sing. You know, there, of course, there'll be some Sundays when you're under the weather or God's working in your heart. But just to see people singing and giving glory to God doesn't matter whether you sing well. He just wants you to make a joyful noise. Amen? Amen. Thank you, guys. Mountain Villa, why don't you stand up? I want uh, you uh, to tell us about uh, our HeartStrong uh, initiative in the prison ministry. Well, I'm with the jail ministry right now. I just uh, started last Thursday, so this was my first time, you know, to share the Word of God, that God loves everyone unconditionally, and this is, you know, my, my passion, because at my work, uh, I'm a uh, psych nurse, and a lot of people who are suicidal, and they have not known God, and this is, you know, I share the Word of God, you know, it, you know to them, and I'm, I just want to be, you know, a good vessel for the Lord, you know, for the furtherance of His kingdom. Uh, amen. Uh, can you identify a gift up there, bud? Yes, a gift of evangelism. No, amen to that. <laughs> Man has told me many stories of uh, how he's uh, been able to be a witness uh, to people on the psych ward and uh, lead them to Jesus. Uh, how was your first experience of a McHenry County Jail? Last Thursday, it was very nice. Although I did not lead, you know, I just there to observe. But my next time, my uh, partner told me that I'll be the one leading. So this time, I was just going to, you know, prepare just like what Pastor Dan is, you know, doing, preparing in advance. So I'm going to have to prepare. So I'm going to need your prayers in this one because I want to touch, you know, the hearts of, you know, other people. Amen. Thank you so much, bud. Rhonda, just stand up. Sorry about that. <laughs> uh, uh, Rhonda serves in our Awana ministry. Uh, tell us uh, how that, what that experience is like. Well, I think my gift is encouragement. Mm-hmm. And um, serving the kids, something was said to me at one time where if you help bring someone to the Lord as an adult, you've saved half a life. And if you bring a child to the Lord, you have saved an entire life. Um, I find that these children teach me (laughs) just as much, if not more, than I teach them. And I find it an honor. And it's um, glorifying to God. And it excites me. And it's just, um, they're encouraging to me as well. (laughs) Um, All right, great. Thank you, Rhonda. Jay, I want you to stand up, bud. 
Jim Welch, his wife Kathy, uh, tell us about uh, men's ministry and your spiritual gifts and that kind of thing. Well, I think my uh, strongest spiritual gifts is helps. Yeah, and uh, definitely. by yeah. doing that, uh, when I'm preparing the food for the men's breakfast, it brings great joy to me. And it also is uh, an opportunity to mentor the other guys on the, on the mm-hmm. team. Uh, wisdom is also a gift that uh, God has provided for me, and there's times that uh, God uses that in ways that are, are amazing to watch. Yeah. You have a real heart for discipleship, don't you? I do. Yeah. Great job of discipling men, being alongside them, walking uh, with them. Thank you. Thanks for being a disciple maker, bud. Daniel. Uh, Daniel is very involved in our youth ministry, so... You know your spiritual gift. Let us know. Otherwise, just tell us about your experience there. Um, my spiritual gift is in teaching and discernment. Okay. Um, the youth group. Uh, just so everybody knows, we're getting to a point where we legally can't put any more kids in our rooms. May well, that's we great, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> so, it's super exciting. When I started working with Justin a little over a year, almost two years ago, we were half the size. Yeah. And it is it is just amazing, and and the kids, it's not just growing in size, but it's seeing the friend bring the friend, and that friend bring a friend, Amen. and that's it's really exciting. Amen. Thanks, buddy. All right. Well, I tell you what, we could spend the whole afternoon here. Uh, there are so many servants here in so many different areas, and I just want to uh, encourage you. Uh, to think about, okay, uh, where am I going uh, to serve? Uh, What am I going uh, to do? Uh, Maybe you're not involved in any area of service right now. We'd love to help you to find uh, the right place uh, for you. Uh, Or maybe you're already involved, uh, but God is calling you to step up. So you step into a ministry, and then you step up in a ministry. Uh, Maybe stepping up to more... A time commitment uh, or a different position or maybe even into leadership. Uh, so if you could take out your programs at this time and rip off the attendance, uh, excuse me, the communication slip, uh, that is, let's rip off the communication slip. And if you could uh, fill that out. And if you're interested in knowing more about serving, right serving, on the back of the communication slip, and uh, be sure to put your email down. And what we'll do is we'll send you an email this week, giving you more details on how you can explore uh, what serving is all about. Well, let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for the model that we see in the early church. Thank you for what you've taught us uh, this morning, or reminded us uh, this morning of Uh, how we each need to find that niche. We all need to be on the team. We all need to be engaged. Lord, we are praying that you would bring new disciples to us. We are praying that we would see more uh, fruit in the sense of people coming to know Jesus and, and growing in Jesus. I pray that your Spirit would sweep through this place and work in each of our hearts and say, okay, uh, How am I going to be a part of this team? How am I going to invest in this team? How am I going to see more and more stronger disciples made?
Lord, I pray that that would be our passion. In Christ's name, amen.